Thanks for listening to the Issue Podcast. Be sure to follow our Instagram at the underscore Issue Podcast or Twitter at just the Issue Podcast. Catch us Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yo, we're back. It is the issue. It's uh, it's Wednesday, July eighth. I'm excited about a show today. We got a we got a loaded show for you guys today. I'm excited. I know you are as well. Oh, for sure. It is uh, back on our you know schedule. Hopefully, no technical difficulties this time. Fingers crossed. I think we should be we should be okay. <laughs> should be in the clear. I had my energy drink this morning. I'm I'm ready to go. I had some coffee. Good. Um, I mean, might as well just jump right into things here. Yeah, I mean, I'll talk a little bit about the news just in general in the country as the coronavirus continues to surge um, for a second time now. Seeing numbers. You see, seeing more closures in restaurants and stuff. Just everyone wear masks out there, stay safe, do the right thing. And uh, we should we should be okay soon. Sports are coming back. I think we're going to be okay. Um, Even with no fans, at least we'll have our sports back, some more news. Oh, to you so guys. excited for sports. Can't wait. Um I think that first week in August, after all those sports are back, I, I'm very excited for it. Oh, yeah. Very pumped. But, uh, yeah, let's jump into it. All right. So I saw a story here about the MLB. Seven wild predictions for the shortened season. So the first of these is that the 60-game season will not settle things. There won't be enough time, not enough games to get things settled. Um, I know it says here in 2014, there would have been a three-team tiebreaker to get the second wild card spot in both leagues. I mean, if we do see something like that, honestly, I think it's just going to make things more exciting. I don't see it as a problem, but I, I agree. Mean, he, I doesn't do, love I do. a good, he doesn't love a good tiebreaker. It's basically another wild card game. Right, right. So. I mean, it's going to add more excitement. It's going to add more games to a, a season that doesn't have many. Yeah, um, it's definitely a wild prediction. I think it would actually be exciting. Yeah, I think it, I think it could honestly be good for the league. Um, second thing I got here is that NL fans will love the DH. Now, personally, you guys know that I'm not a fan of the designated hitter. I like to see the pitchers hit. I think if you're on the team, I think if you got drafted, even if you are a pitcher only, should be able to swing the bat at least a little bit or at least try. Um, you know, I, I, will some fans love it? Sure. Will the people that love seeing the big home runs be a hit? Yeah, they're going to love it. it. Will it add more excitement? Probably. Um, I think it might help draw in some of the, like some younger fans to the league, honestly, seeing, seeing that DH. But, I mean, it definitely is a wild prediction that, every, that NL fans will love the designated hitter. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of older fans of baseball. It's more of a traditional sport. Tradition's big in baseball, so I don't know. There's definitely a wild prediction saying that that the fans will love it. I don't think fans are going to hate it because I think it is going to be more exciting in a season with no fans, where any any bit of excitement is probably welcomed. I would say, but uh, I don't know if everyone's going to quote unquote love it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm not the biggest fan, but I guess we'll have to see <laughs> see how things pan out here um third thing we got is that someone will hit 400 this year honestly not that wild it's a 60 game season anybody that knows statistics when you have a smaller pool 
of data to draw from, a lot of times you'll get more of those outliers. Um, 60 games, definitely not 162 games, I'll tell you that. And you look at some of the guys that are hitting really high in averages, you know, at the end of, um, you know, right before the All-Star break, usually. Could we see somebody hit 400? I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I think it's very, very possible that somebody hits 400. And there is, I mean, seems like Christian Yelich just keeps getting better and better yeah. and better, and he's going to face the Pirates a lot. So, uh, yeah, no, it's definitely yeah, plausible. Mean, Pirates pitching definitely not it's going definitely to plausible. What someone could could hit four hundred. I mean, I don't think it's I don't think it's crazy. I don't think it's going to be well above four hundred. I think it'd be like yeah. in the four oh five, four ten range. But I mean, you know, I'm interested. Yeah, I'm for it. We'll for see. Sure. Um, we're looking here at the next one that Ronald Acuna Jr. will be the NL MVP. You take a look at his uh, stats from 2019, 41 homers, 37 stolen bases, 127 runs. And that was his first MLB season. So, yeah, four numbers here. yeah. could he be the NL MVP? I think it's definitely possible. He's a great young talent. I think he brings a lot to the league. I think he brings a lot to not just the league but just baseball and I think, it, I think it's swagger I know you see a lot of people like oh let the let the uh players play let them have fun let I think he play. brings yeah yeah he, he just brings that fun aspect to it so yeah I mean he does a great job too I think he'll definitely get votes whether he is at the top of statistically or not mm-hmm. as long as he's close I think he's going to get more votes than normal just because he is you know fun and outgoing he's still such a young star it's just fun to watch I mean, right now it opened as uh, Mookie Betts is the favorite in the NL with, with Cody Bonger right behind him, but uh, I can't see Acuna being that far out of it. Yeah, I mean, you look at what he did last year, and hopefully hopefully he gets better. I mean, Absolutely. that'd be great for baseball, great for him, and uh, hopefully we see that happen. Um, next one here, Joe Madden will have his finest hour. Uh, the Angels could have the best rotation in years. and. Madden's ability to stay positive will help him complete another Cooperstown level season is what they're saying. Now, look, it's his first year with the angels. I, he's a, he's a great manager. He is. He's one I mean, of the best. Adding Rendon helps obviously for but... sure. I he's one of the best managers I think in baseball. I'd give him top, give him top 10 uh, for sure. Top 10, arguably top five, but I mean, with the Angels, that they have a fantastic rotation. They're going to be great. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look around at what they have. We'll see. We'll see. Can he pull them through it? I mean, especially in a weird season like this, strange things. Joe Madden, can he straighten it out? Have to see. Um, and then looking at this one, the Astros will rock the world at the trade deadline. Okay, they're looking – Possible Jake Arietta, a Mike Miner, or a Francisco Lindor by the tra- at the trade deadline. Even a uh, JT Real Muto yeah. was uh, was in discussions. Yep. In that article, I, I don't know. We'll see. I think I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility considering if they win that that cheating scandal kind of goes to the to the background because if they win quote unquote clean because they're going to be washed like Hawks this year and yep. for years going forward, I think. That if they can win with that type of eye on them Look, in a gonna, clean manner, I think it will silence a lot of the people. But they're going to have mm. to prove that they can do it without the sign stealing, and uh, that kind of leads me into the next, the seventh and final wild prediction. 
that the Astros World Series, uh, like, Astros World Series win would be the most satisfying yet for Houston and Astro fans in general. We kind of what Tim was talking about here. If they can win it, or if they can at least make a, a big push for it, it's going to prove that, you know, yeah, they they had the cheating scandal. Did it help them? Of course it probably did. You know, it always helps when you know what pitch is coming. But if they can win it clean, it does push those, that that scandal to the background a little bit, and I do think that it would help alleviate some of the pressure from that organization if they can get that win this year. Clean. I agree. I agree. It's one of the only <laughs> – only big stories in baseball right now. Yeah. But yeah. I did I did see an article um, on Fox News. Uh, Jose Canseco. You know, I mean, you might know him as as the home run, home run dude, big, jacked up. You could also know him as, you know, the whistleblower on the whole steroid issue. But he went uh, Tuesday on the, the A's Plus podcast out of San Francisco. It's a great podcast, great baseball content. But he called out the commissioner, Rob Manfred saying that, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing and uh, he's crazy and he, he's insane for starting this league up right now. And he said, quote, because a lot of players are testing positive. That's a direct quote. A lot of players are testing positive. So so let's pull up some stats there, Jose. Let's pull up some stats. So the MLB tested 3,185 people in this first wave of testing that they did. Only 38 of them tested positive, with only 31 being players. So seven of them were coaches. Let's be real here. No one no one flicks on an MLB game for the bench coach. I'm not saying I wish anyone get the coronavirus. I'm saying, let's be real here. If the bench coach has to sit out two weeks, is baseball really going to – is it going to be that bad? There's no stars that, are, that have tested positive. I know we don't, we're not allowed to know the names. But, I mean, I'm seeing Aaron Judge mash dingers. I'm seeing a, a lot of videos of the stars out there practicing with their teams, Cody Bellinger, et cetera. I just – it's 1.2% of people that were tested, tested positive. 1.2%. Newsflash, Jose, if you want perfection, then I hope you're okay with pretty much not watching baseball for, you know, like ever. If you want perfection, you're going to have to wait for a vaccine. And even then, it's not even guaranteed that there's going to be 0% positive. And I don't know if you, uh, I don't know if you've done your research there, Jose, but injections and vaccines and medications and such like that, they need time to be tested and approved. At the earliest I've seen is this December. At the earliest. So if you're looking for a perfect, you know, little vaccine, everyone's testing negative, all this, that, and the other, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Let's be realistic. One point two percent is so extremely low. Just get on with the season. You know, if we're going to sit here and, and nitpick about 1.2%, you're never going to see baseball again. This is a this is a multi-billion dollar business. And no one said that the players were forced to play. It's not crazy that they're out there. It's their choice. I mean, you saw David Price opt out. He's he's at least a big name. I mean, he might be the third starter on the Dodgers, but he's still at least a big name. He opted out. Mike Trout might be opting out. We have no idea. Yeah, we've seen it and we'll continue to see it. People are opting out. Let's just—you just can't put a multi-billion-dollar business on hold because 1.2 percent of people that they've tested so far have a virus, and the majority of them are asymptomatic and in the lowest risk bracket. These are world-class athletes, young guys. They—they're at extremely low risk, and like I said, the majority of them are asymptomatic. They have no idea they even have it. 
So let's just get it going. Let's work out the kinks. Everyone's going to be better with baseball. Let's just let's just get it moving. So we're going to nitpick about 1.2%. We're going to be here. We're going to be here for a long time and without baseball. Jose, so if you want to see baseball, if you want to see these dudes mashing dingers, much like you did, then you're just going to have to accept the 1.2%. You're just going to have to. And, and here's the thing that I was that I've been seeing in the news recently and even just, you know, having a somewhat uh, you know, background in in medical uh in the medical field in general. Look, these these viruses are gonna mutate, right? So even if there is a vaccine that gets created and say it works, you're still probably what professionals and medical professionals are saying right now there's probably going to be mutations of this coronavirus that so might not be stopped by the vaccine. And so you're okay. at what, five years before they perfect another I mean, vaccine look at the flu. and another vaccine? Look at the flu. They have, they have vaccinations for the flu. Do people still get it? Absolutely. It, it mutates. Do they survive it, though, because of, A, the vaccine, and B, because people, the, the professionals learn more about the virus, learn how to treat it? Every year. Every yeah. year, every day, every day they're learning more about this. So, yeah. so why don't we just give them some time? Let's just relax here. But you got to try to return to normal as much as you can. 100%. And the protocols are taken. I've seen people taking batting practice and masks outside. Okay. They have extreme protocols. I have source inside, inside an MLB organization saying that the protocols are insane. They got to wear a mask around the facility 24-7. It is what it is. You have to... They're, they're taking extreme precautions. You just you can't nitpick over 1.2% here. These are world-class athletes. They're going to be fine. I know you're not wishing that they get it. You're not hoping that they get it. You're not saying, oh, it's okay to put them at risk. But at the same time, it is what it is. It's a multi-billion dollar business. These players want to play. They want to get paid. It's their choice to be out there. And look, if they don't want to play, then you don't have to play. They can opt out. I mean, it's not the biggest deal. If you want to opt out of the season, I totally understand it, especially like we talked about on Monday's episode with Mike Trout, and he has a new he has a baby on the way. If he wants to opt out, no problem. I agree. For the safety of his family, no problem. If you don't want to play, don't play. But just because that you have a small, the smallest percentage of people testing positive, that's no reason to can't to just shut down the MLB. I agree. You, you have any idea how catastrophic that would be for not only the MLB, all their sponsors, all their vendors? It, it would be insane. Even be TV, insane. Ratings, all, yeah, TV ratings. TV ratings. All the down. All the merchandise. It would be catastrophic. So I think you have to go on with the season. I'm glad that Manfred is doing it. And let's look. So let's look at the commissioners that are praised. Okay, we got what? Roger Goodell is now – I mean, everyone hated him at the start. He's now considered a pretty good commissioner. Yeah. You know what his best quality is? He puts his foot down and says, this is what's happening. We have to get it going. This is what's going to happen. You're in or out. You're in or out. And so I'm glad that that's what Manfred's doing. I'm glad they're getting it going. And uh, and we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I just think it'd be insane to, to quote-unquote, cancel the season because of 1.2% of people testing positive. Yeah. Speaking of uh, of opting out, we're talking about how you know David Price opting out. Let's go, to, let's go to NCAA basketball at, at Penn State. You guys may have heard the story. Um, their, uh, their star guard, Rasir Bolton, when he left Penn State, he just came out uh, a couple days ago and said why why he left Penn State and transferred from the program. He claims that there is a, there's a serious need for change in the way players are protected and helped. I do agree. I do agree that I know these college coaches have a, an insane amount of power over some of these, some of these young men. 
And he said, Rasheer Bolden said that uh, the coach, Patrick Chambers, said that he made a comment about a news. He said, for the past year, many have questions why I left Penn State after my freshman year. I was a scholarship athlete on the men's basketball team. I got playing time. I started part of the season and I was on the dean's list. I formed many relationships at Penn State that I still maintain today. So clearly he liked his time there and he's leaving because I think the exact quote was that he wanted to loosen the noose that's around his neck. I don't think it was meant as any sort of racially targeted or racially motivated comment. I think it meant that he's a true freshman. He's starting on a Big Ten school at a Big Ten school at point guard, which is arguably the most important position nowadays as it's, it's becoming a shooting, more guard centric league and well, sport. So I don't know. I don't think it's centered to say, hey, man, you have an actual noose around your neck or any sort of threatening comment. I think it was more based on we're just going to take a little pressure off. You maybe distribute the ball a little more. That way you don't you're not carrying this team and carrying all the pressure. I'm not I'm not going to say I blame Rasir Bolton for being a bit upset about it. I think the choice of words um, by by coach uh, Pat Chambers was not great. But I, I think we need to just take a deep breath here. I don't think it's a huge deal. I'm, I mean, it's his call whether he wants to transfer or not. I mean, that, that type of statement affects everyone differently. I'm not African-American. I can't pretend to know how he felt when he heard that comment. But I think we just need to take a deep breath here. And and uh, he, Pat Chambers, wrote an apology. I think they've smoothed it over. I think we just need to move on. Um, he's going to learn from it. He's going to grow from it. Bolton's going to learn from it, grow from it, all that. It's going to be good. I think I think we just need to take a deep breath on that. Yeah. Got to get to a break here, but uh, when we come back, we'll be back with uh, another segment of Ice Cold Takes. <laughs> what up? We are back, and we're here with the uh, Tim's Ice Cold Takes. Like I, like I said, um, another segment of that. Let's just jump right into there. So Christian McCaffrey, everyone knows, probably top three back in the league, I would say right now especially being so young, I think he's about 20, 24, 25 maybe. I know he's under 25. Absolutely great back. I actually saw a story today ranking. There, or they did a little uh, little mini um, top under 25 players, like an all, all under 25 team, and he was on it. So got me thinking. And I remember when he uh, when he lit up that Rose Bowl, dude was lightning in a bottle. Most, most athletic kid on the field easily. I also remember – the pushback from his draft pick at number eight overall. And I was like, how can you, I don't understand how anyone could, could disagree with that pick. Have you seen the kid? He's insane. Have you seen the guy? He is a freak athlete, absolutely insane, hard worker, respectful, well-spoken, well-versed, and absolutely professional. I thought it was a great pick. So apparently so to the Panthers and it's paying off for him. But I actually found a, uh, Found a bit of a cold take. I don't know if you guys have seen the, the Twitter account. Uh, Freezing Cold Takes is a great account. But I saw it on there after I was after I was browsing for some Christian McCaffrey content after I saw the, that team. There was a person on Twitter who gave the uh, the Panthers a D-plus grade on drafting it. D-plus. Saying that he will make the Panthers offense better, no doubt. But like Darren Sproles, he's going to make an impact on all four downs, but he's not worth the number eight overall pick. I agree that maybe a running back, not the most valuable position, valuable position, maybe not worth an eight overall pick normally. But but let's let's dive into the Panthers organization when they drafted them. 
So they go to the Super Bowl in 2015 on the back of an MVP year from Cam. And they had a, they had a really underrated defense. They had Luke Keekley, Josh Norman. They had a gr- pretty good uh, defensive line. Their defense was great. It was, I think it was very underrated. And let's look at their offense. They had Calvin Benjamin, who they weren't ready to move off of. They just drafted him a year or two before. They were not ready to move off him at the time. Ended up being not the best choice, but they weren't ready to move off, so they weren't looking for a receiver. They had Greg Olson, a top five tight end, so they're not looking for a tight end. They did a decent enough offensive line to where they're not going to spend a pick on their offensive line. And like I said, they had a solid defense, Luke Keeley, Josh Norman, et cetera, before Norman goes to Washington. So looking at their draft board, they're saying, hmm, so at this point in time, Cam is their is their franchise. He off an MVP year, they had a bit of a down year in 2016. So drafting in 2017, they're saying, all right, so how are we going to surround Cam with talent to elevate him and elevate this team and hopefully get back? Who would help him the most? Oh, I don't know, maybe a running game? Or how about, uh, I don't know, reliable check down? So we draft the best receiving back in the draft, maybe in the last 10 years, best receiving back. So that maybe, uh, you know, helps Cam avoid getting killed every time he drops back. Because, yes, that offensive line was decent, but it was deteriorating. So let's maybe get him a run game, a nice solid check down. Also, McCaffrey pass blocking, very underrated. So, yeah, I know that maybe, you know, a running back isn't the most valuable draft pick at number eight overall. But you got to look team to team here. For them, it was the most valuable pick. And he just continues to prove people wrong. And he's now the center of a franchise as a running back who is thought that position is thought to be almost disposable. So he's now posted some of the best statistical years from a running back ever. He's got dynamic ability out of the backfield. And like I said, he's now the center of a franchise, the, the Panthers, as they rebuild. This guy on Twitter, he whiffed. He big-time whiffed, and uh, he's the center of an ice-cold take. There you go. That's the second ice-cold take of the, uh, of the podcast here. and uh, yeah, It's a pretty good one. I, I'm a big fan of Christian McCaffrey. I think he's great. He's super smart out of Stanford, obviously. So, I mean, yeah. very smart young man. I think he's going to be a top five back for the next – Five to six years, hopefully injuries don't plague him as a uh, as it has other backs. But hey, you know, he, a great person too. I mean, stand up guy, true he, professional, definitely someone you want to build your franchise around. Yeah, and uh, for sure, I'm surprised to hear that they would think that was the D plus grade on drafting him. So, I mean, we're gonna get into uh, a new uh, new segment here. It's called Tim's Trivia. All right, so you know, me and Tim, we've been, been friends for a long time. Long time, bud, huh? So yeah, there, yeah, there, are times, there are times where me and him, we'll be hanging out, we'll be check, looking at my phone, be like, huh, wonder uh, what, what was Starling Marte's batting average from, from 2011? And he'll just... Not 2011, but you know. You get the point. Yeah, and he'll he'll pull out a number, and it's just it's either spot on or barely off, right? It, it happens Ian all Book the time. The there. Ian Book example. We were talking about Ian Book uh, and Notre Dame and him staying there, and I was like, I wonder what what state was he even from? Like, you know, like where, high school, yeah. where'd he go to high school? He goes, well, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe California. It's one out of fifty chances, right? Because there's fifty <laughs> states. You know he's not from out of the country, so he has a one in fifty shot. And, well, maybe, maybe California. 
go to the phone, look it up, El Dorado Hills, California. So we've created a segment here to kind of to kind of spotlight this guy's trivia knowledge, not and uh, they're going to call it Tim's trivia. So I've got a couple questions for you here. Multiple choice format, right? Some of them. Some of okay. them, depending, right. depending on the question. Yeah. So here, this first one, and he has no idea what these questions are. Nope, not um, looking it up, swear to God. Luke's here as a, uh, as a witness. As a witness. So we're looking, who led the MLB in home runs in 2010? Okay. Your options here, you have A, Jose Batista, B, Joey Votto, or C, Albert Pujols? I think Votto is more of a for average guy. I'm going to eliminate him off there. Okay. Cross him off. And I'm going to, I'm just going to tell you, okay, go ahead. We have what, Bautista and Bautista and, and Pujols, Pujols left? in 2010. 2010. So Albert was still with Cardinals, where he raked. But Bautista was just coming into his own at Toronto. Final answer, Albert Pujols. I'm going to have to go and say that you are incorrect Ooh. on the first trivia question. It is A, Jose Bautista. Mm. See, that was a close one for me. 50, that was a close one. 54 home runs in 2010. And Albert Pujols had 42. He was mm. Albert Pujols was second in the league. Uh, yeah. But Bautista yeah. led the league with 54 home runs. That one hurts. That I mean, one hurts. I should have known that. It, that yeah, I at least you were known. able to eliminate Joey Votto right off the bat. Joey Votto, uh, just for everybody wondering, 37 home runs in 2010. Yeah, I mean, he, he'll get up there, but I just don't think he's got – I mean, he's he's insane hitter. He's a, he, he pops out in like right. 0.02% of his at-bats. Right. He's an insane hitter. But you can't put him in the same home run category. I just don't think – yeah, I just don't think Bautista. he's an insane home run hitter, especially in 2010. He was still relatively early in his career. I just don't think him. As a big home run hitter. But. By the way, that's who they're predicting to uh, hit over 400. So well, I, know, I can yeah, definitely see that. In this, in this, 100%. In this shortened season. The, people, the first people that actually came to my mind when we were talking about who could hit over 400, it's going to be weird. Ichiro, Derek Jeter, and Joey Votto. <laughs> and, I mean, two of them aren't in the league anymore, obviously. But I would if, if Ichiro's in the league still at, like, whatever age he is, almost 40 now, I would 100% – he would be my pick. But, anyway, so moving on. Interesting. So here to the second question. All right, we're going to go to a little football action now. The 2013 Super Bowl, okay, played uh, in New Orleans, uh, the 49ers and the, the Ravens. Ravens. Okay, mm-hmm. who was the Super Bowl MVP? And you're not going to have choices here. You have the you have the two teams that played. That that's your hint. And who's the Super Bowl MVP in 2013? Joe Flacco. That's correct. Yeah. Joe Flacco was the MVP. A lot of people think Jacoby game. Jones should have got it because he uh, had that insane return. And uh, he had that, that that nice catch down the field. But, I mean, then again, Flacco did throw it. But it was very underthrown. Um, but, yeah, a lot of people think Jacoby Jones should have got it. And I was, I'm in my head. I'm like, oh, I, I think he should have. And I think he was the MVP of that game. But in my head, I'm thinking, nope. Joe Flacco, because that's when they started discussing, is he an elite quarterback? And myself and a lot of other people that weren't, you know, just fanboys were thinking, uh, no, he's not an elite quarterback. It's more of a fluke. And uh, it turned out to be kind of right. All right. Getting into question three of four now. Um, 
We're going to go a little hometown action. Ben Roethlisberger. Okay. 2009. Mm-hmm. That would be the sixth Super Bowl season for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Beat the, uh, the Cardinals. Yep. Beat the Arizona Cardinals. Oh, the 08, 08, 09 season. Yep. Okay. In 2009, what was Ben Roethlisberger's completion percentage? Do I have choices here, or is this just a straight up? This is just straight up. Let's see if you can hit it at least close to the number. Just thinking. Hmm. Stroke in the chin. So Ben's more of a risk taker. He's never known for having an insane completion percentage. Um, I don't think it's below 60. I also don't think it's above 65. Um, I'm going to go 62. Percent completion percentage. He's a he was at a sixty six point six percent that season. Really great season for Roethlisberger. My God, man, I'm not as good at this trivia thing as I thought. All right, okay. You're just having an off day. I, I mean, I I'm not shocked. I just I think of him as more of a, a, a run and gun uh, gunslinger type of guy. So I didn't. Yeah, I wonder when the last time he's posted anything close to that. All right, next. Uh, so last question here. You get this one and go at least 50%. Okay. Yeah, fingers crossed. If I get one for one for four here, I'm going to be That's going to be a upset. tough start. All right, but I'm going to be pretty upset. Let's, let's try to bat 500 here, all right? Philip Rivers. Okay. There's a lot of discussion about him recently and uh, going, in the, you know, going to the Colts. And you know, is he going to be able to be the quarterback that he was? You know, he Great quarterback. Definitely, you know, up there. So you have three options here. Which season did he have the most touchdown passes in his career? Okay. You have option A, 2011. Option B is 2005. And then C is 2008. Which year did he throw the most touchdown passes? It's not a five. So now you're between 2011 and 2008. 2011. Tim goes one for four oh on trivia God. today. Was it 08? It was 08. Are you kidding? He threw 34 touchdown passes in 2008. That's his high? That's his high. 2008. Oh God. And people want to put him in the Hall of Fame? Yeah. Oh, come on. I mean, he's a great. Look, you got to be kidding me. That's, that's piss poor. It discuss uh, Philip oh, Rivers God. a little bit here, at least. Oh, boy. People want him in the Hall of Fame. I don't know. Never, won a, Super, never won a Super Bowl. Never been to the Super Bowl. 34 touchdowns is as high. I'm not happy with myself. Okay. You know, we all we all get the off days. You should have uh I'm coming back stronger. For the next one? Yeah. Right. Yep. You better believe it. Well, that is it for Tim's trivia. And that's the terrible segment today. Very sorry, boys. Sorry. Very first trivia segment. Not happy and, about uh, it, but We'll One come back four. stronger. A, We're gonna come back stronger. Hey, it's only up from here. It's only up from here. Not the best stats guy, but you just you went twenty five percent today. One for four. Yeah. Well, you know, even Mike Trout goes one for four sometimes. People, hey, and he got what four hundred some mil. We're gonna yeah. be okay. Hey, we're hey, gonna be okay. It's not about. It's not. Don't about worry about it. One time. It's all right. It's about. It's about. It's not about how how hard you can hit. It's about how how hard you can get hit and get back up. So don't worry, boys. We got this. We're hey, good. So, uh, a baseball We're coach good. once told me. It's not a, being great isn't isn't about having that great game. It's about being good for a long period of time. I agree. So, you know, we'll see. I got this story here. It's something to uh, kind of close up the the podcast. Not too much in sports news today. It'll be a little bit of a shorter episode, 
But uh, I saw this, and I wanted to get to it. The NHL, okay, NHL Hall of Fame defenseman Bobby Orr says that Sidney Crosby, captain for the Pittsburgh Penguins, belongs in the same conversation as Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, and Gordie Howe. Okay, I could not agree more. Not just because he's the hometown guy, but he is an insane athlete. Just a freak athlete. You've seen what he's been able to do. Just not as, not just his talent and fighting through multiple defenders, three, four defenders, going through them, one hand on the stick. It, it, it's insane what he can do. The passing. I don't think I've ever been so impressed by passing his in my life. Stick handling and body control. It's unbelievable. And it's not just about his talent and, and the drive that he has, but think about all the injuries. Think about the concussions. Okay, he's had he's had to overcome. It, he had his fair share of concussions. He's had his fair share of injuries. Everybody remembers when he got hit in the face with the puck. Look, Sidney Crosby is one of the best hockey players of all time. He won the gold medal for Team Canada in 2010 in the Olympics. That was a great game. He scored the game-winning goal. He's a two-time Art Ross Trophy winner. He has three Stanley Cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins, and he is the youngest captain to ever win a Stanley Cup. Okay, he was 19 years old, I think, when he won that cup when, with the Pens. Mm-hmm. What was that in 2009? Yeah, 2009, he won the Stanley Cup. He became the youngest captain ever to hoist the cup. He's, I, think, I don't think there's a doubt that he's going to be a Hall of Famer. I don't think anyone is disputing that. And here's the definitely, thing. That's not an, even an argument, I don't think. I think it definitely is an argument if he's a top three to five player. I, I believe so, but I can definitely see a bit of an argument against it just because I don't know, he has been hurt and he has been in and out, but I, I think he's a, a top three, top five player ever. Um, just, like I said, his stick handling and, the, and his, the way he works along the boards, holding people off, stick hunting with one hand. Even just, it, being, a team, insane. Even just being a team guy. And I mean, he's just he, an overall captain leader you, in general. Notice how you never see any bad stories out of the Penguins, hardly ever. Yeah, he's got that. He's got him buttoned up. He's a great leader. What's his contract? Twelve years, one hundred and forty-four million. I think. I think that's right. Um, yeah, twelve years, one hundred and forty-four million. He deserves every little bit of it. Um, he's a great player, just fantastic, and uh, you know, definitely, definitely one of the best of all time. I couldn't agree more. We got we got a couple of little bonus stories here that I that I found. All right. Positive news out of NASCAR um, earlier this morning. Jimmy Johnson is uh, is cleared for his ra- the race, this coming race, after testing positive for COVID-19. So we've seen people, especially athletes, especially younger people who aren't as much at risk, who have been cleared and they're back to normal life. Jimmy Johnson had COVID-19, contracted the coronavirus, and is now cleared to race and be around people. So that's definitely positive news. Um just not only for NASCAR in general, but for sports in general, seeing that you can come back where it's not, you're not down and out for, I mean, you could be, but you're not generally not down and out for too long. So I, mean, I think that's definitely, that's definitely positive news. Oh, also, sure. you know, out of the NFL, the, the whole, uh, the Washington team down there in the NFL, we don't really know what they're going to end up changing their name to, or if they're going to, but I, I think it's time to change their name. I think, I think it would be good to to have something that does honor um, Native Americans, but I think something uh, of the you know skin color type of um, name it wouldn't be it's just not appropriate anymore. That that name was founded in 1933 when this team was founded. 
and clearly it's not 1933. We've come a long way since then. Look, if there's if there's a time to do it, it's now. There's so much there's so much good change happening and change happening for the better in this country right now. Look, if there's a time to do it, it's now. And there's there's plenty of names that that will honor Native Americans without using some sort of derogatory racial term such as Redskin. So, but I mean, it's just, it just keeps getting worse for Dan Snyder. They found that Dan Snyder's Native American Foundation gave a total of $0 in 2018. So he's going to sit up there and defend the name and saying that he, he's honoring them and, and donating to them, but he gave $0 in 2018. I don't know if there's numbers out on 2019, but that's still not, that's not a good, number to have floating out there not a good look not a good look in general definitely not a good look so uh like i said uh yesterday we're going to continue to monitor that but um it's just it's just a dumpster fire down there right now um seems like ron rivera and chase young and maybe Dwayne haskins are the only good things coming out of that organization right now um it's definitely going to be something to watch here in the weeks coming up absolutely um, definitely should be Interesting to see what what goes on with that organization. I agree, but uh, yeah, guys, that's about it for today. Uh, a little, like I said, a little bit of a shorter episode. Not too much going on in the sports world this morning, but we got you what there is to cover. Yeah. Uh, so thanks for ha- coming on, hanging out with us. You could be anywhere in the world right now, listening to anything, but you're with us, and that means a lot. So thank you. And that was the issue. Thanks a lot, guys.